0: So last week, uh, Catherine shared with us that as she was thinking about preaching for this service, she decided to turn to the lectionary, that three-year cycle of readings that we don't always use uh, here at Trinity, but from time to time, we go back to it. It's a good um, foundation, uh, a source of, looking at scripture and paying attention to what it has to say to us. And so I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good place to start for this week as well. So I looked at the lectionary readings for this week and one in particular caught my attention and it's the one that I'll be sharing in a few moments tonight that comes from the letter to the Galatians. And what particularly caught my attention is that it's a passage that talks about the freedom that is ours in Christ. And recognizing that we are coming up on a holiday weekend when we celebrate July the 4th and we celebrate our freedom as a nation, I thought, well, that would be a good place for us to go and really think about what it means for us to talk about freedom from the perspective of who we are as followers of Jesus. And as I thought about this weekend that's coming up, um, I, I thought about how much seems to have changed in recent years and how in so many ways um, our, and I use our not necessarily to, to represent you, any of you specifically or me specifically, but our in terms of our society, our nation, how so many things have changed and how it seems like we have drifted away from the ideals of freedom that were really at the core of of who we were intended to be as this nation, this beacon of light and hope. Uh, For so many today, it seems that there is a very selfish view of freedom uh, that permeates the social and the political and the economic landscape in which we find ourselves. <clears throat> Freedom seems to be a word that gets equated with the idea of entitlement quite often, actually. And, and there's this paradox uh, that I notice that while people want to desperately clutch uh, and hold on to the freedoms that they enjoy and that they prefer, uh, they also just as quickly are ready to deny freedoms for others if they are different from their perspective Um, And and it makes me wonder, how did we get to where we are? And in that context, I thought, boy, it's really hard for me to imagine a president saying something along the lines of, ask not what your country can do for you, (laughs) but ask what you can do for your country without a whole lot of people taking offense at that statement. Uh, because it would be an affront to their personal privilege or or their own sense of their rights and entitlements. So I thought maybe it would be helpful for us to hear, as we prepare to hear Scripture tonight, to first hear a few quotes on freedom uh, from some figures who I think you will recognize, at least most of them. Those who deny freedom to others... Deserve it not for themselves, and under the rule of a just God, cannot long retain it. Abraham Lincoln. People demand freedom of speech as a compensation for the freedom of thought which they seldom use. Soren Kierkegaard. May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. The great early 20th century preacher Peter Marshall. A hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with freedom. Bob Dylan. Freedom makes a huge requirement of every human being. With freedom comes responsibility. For the person who is unwilling to grow up, the person who does not want to carry their own weight, this is a frightening prospect. Eleanor Roosevelt. To be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others, spoken by Nelson Mandela, one who knew himself what it was like to live in chains. And then finally, freedom is the open window through which pours the sunlight of the human spirit and human dignity Herbert Hoover. I love that idea of being the open window through which the sunlight comes of the human spirit and the human dignity. And for me, I can't think of that apart from the way in which we are all created in the image of a divine God. And it is that creation and that image that gives us that spirit, that dignity And so, we turn tonight to this passage from Galatians, and I invite you to listen, or if you'd like to follow along, it's printed in your bulletin. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom... Be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. Boy, does that sound different from how we often hear freedom interpreted today, doesn't it? But if you are being led by the Spirit, then you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying and other things like that. And that is a long and tough list for us to hear. And I'm sure we all find ourselves somewhere in the list. I warn you as I have already warned you that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. Don't let freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses. You know, we have in so many ways been seduced by a distorted idea of what freedom is. Grounded in notions of individualism and self-determination without regard for the impact that it has on others around us. Now, I suppose it's at least somewhat good news that this is nothing new. (laughs) It's not something that we started in our current 21st century context. In fact, this is something that was very much present in the context into which Paul was speaking in the first century. Paul was talking to the church at Galatia specifically, but he also was talking to lots of the other locations of the early church in that particular day because without fail, there were conflicts, there were struggles. But what was happening in Galatia was resulting in what he calls biting and devouring. They were snapping at each other, and in their snapping, he was concerned that the way in which they were behaving they would end up being consumed by one another. You know, that makes me think of how we are, what we eat. (laughs) And if we're biting and devouring to the point where we are consuming the other, and the other is that which we do not like, that thing which we abhor, if we consume it, then we take it on ourselves and we become that very thing that we are trying not to be. And the irony that, that was happening in this context was that the way that they were practicing their freedom, saying that they were free to do whatever they wanted and didn't have to really pay attention to the law or anything else, the way in which they practiced it was keeping them in chains of hostility and discord. This particular version of freedom was in fact enslaving them and so Paul uses this as an opportunity to lay out two possible paths and to suggest that the two are very different and one is desirable and the other not so much so he he begins with the less desirable it's always good to close with what you want people to 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 leave on right so he begins with the less desirable and he talks about the way of the flesh Now, now, many theologians will be quick to point out here that when Paul uses the flesh as an analogy for passions or for selfish desires, he is not saying that the body itself is bad, but it's, it's an image, it's a metaphor for the source from which these behaviors come. And while the way of the flesh may feel like freedom, it brings pain both to ourselves and to others. I was thinking about young people who get their first taste of freedom, many of whom for whom that happens when they go off to college. And, and any of us who has parented a teenager who went off to college can, can recognize that sense of both excitement for them and all that they are going to be able to explore and experience and also a little bit of trepidation as well about what they might get into when they get to college. And there is that time of choice. There is that time of newfound freedom, which if applied well, can produce wonderful results, but if applied not so well, can bring pain both to themselves and to others around them. Paul, in the letter tonight, lays out the ways of the flesh that mark us giving into what the early church fathers referred to as our passions. Today, we use the word passion often in a positive way to talk about something that we are passionate about, that we get excited about, uh, that we want to invest ourselves in. But in, in the early church context, the passions were those things that caused us to sin, those things that separated us from God and from others. And so Paul shares that long list, presumably making sure that he covers all the ground, all the territory that will, that will make sure that nobody is left out in terms of recognizing that every one of us is capable of falling prey to those passions. Roberta Bondi in her book, To Love As God Loves, says that the passions blind us so that we cannot love as we ought. They disorder our desires and so desires that were meant to be pure become tainted by the passions that consume us and lead us astray. And the message of Galatians and of this particular passage in Galatians is unequivocal. Our freedom is for the sake of love. The reason we are granted freedom in Christ is so that we might share the love of Christ with others and they might see it bearing fruit in our lives. Which leads us to the second path that Paul offers us tonight. The way of the Spirit. The Spirit is the key to handling our freedom well. It brings our desires into proper focus and enables us to feel safe and secure in God's love for us. And when we feel that safety and security, that assurance that I just talked about on Sunday, Uh, that Wesley experienced in his own heart at Aldersgate. When we experience that for ourselves, then we are opened up to be able to love others more fully. I think about the line that is in our liturgy as we come to the table uh, with confession sometimes. Uh, We acknowledge the sin. We acknowledge the ways we have failed to participate in the ways of God and the world. And then there's this wonderful line that says, free us for joyful obedience. If we don't get what freedom in Christ is about, that sounds like an oxymoron. Wait, freedom, obedience? What's up with that? But it is precisely the kind of freedom that Paul is talking about tonight. A freedom that prepares us to be obedient to God's way in the world and to be joyful about it. And so Paul then invites us to consider what the fruit of such a life looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but the people that I know who seem to be the most free, truly free, are the ones who distribute this fruit generously with others around them. They do not hold back in extending the kinds of fruit we hear Paul lift up in this passage tonight. And so I wonder if this coming weekend, somewhere in between fireworks and picnics and flag waving and sparklers and the different ways in which we will celebrate and connect with others, I wonder as people who have said yes to following Jesus, we might also take a moment to step back and ask ourselves, where God might be leading us to grow deeper roots so that we bear greater fruit, so that others might come to know the joy, the freedom as well that can only be found through Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you pray with me? Oh God, thank you for loving us first so that we might experience that love for ourselves and then turn it outward toward the world. Oh God, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit on each of our hearts and lives to equip us to bear fruit fruit that will last and lead us all into the coming of your kingdom. Amen.